Hey there, believers. I got a great show for you today. On this week's episode, I... Sorry, I thought that was on mute. Hold on. That's my dad calling. Let me see what he wants. Hey, Dad, what's up? So, about what I was saying last week, let's go Bigfooting. (laughs) You know, we do need a mancation. Where'd you have in mind? Braxton County. Hey, go to BraxtonWV.org and check it out. Bigfoot has been sighted at Sutton Lake. Huh. You know, that's actually a great idea. We could stay at one of the campgrounds like Baker's Run or Bee's Run. There's several to choose from. And uh, I think, yeah, let me look. BraxtonWV.org. Yeah, we could rent a boat on Sutton Lake Marina. That has over 1,400 acres to fish on and 40 miles of coastline. And what you were saying, it looks like Bigfoot's been spotted in those coves. You know, worst case scenario, Dad, we'd have an awesome time camping and hanging out. Ah, Then it's settled. Go to BraxtonWV.org and book us a site for this spring. Will do, man. But first, I have to get back to my show. I'm, I'm in the middle of my intro. Gotta go. When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. another good episode for you today i'm bringing back trey from squatch me now i had him on here uh, a couple months ago but since last time we talked there's been some uh, some further development apparently um somebody that listens to the show reached out to trey and got a hold of him about some stuff and we're going to get into all of that and uh whatever else he has that's come up so i won't spend a whole lot of time talking let's go ahead and bring trey on the show all right trey how's it going buddy Good. How are you, man? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, I had you on my show, season two, episode 32, right? It was the first time you were on. Uh, yeah, a little while ago. I'm, I'm hoping to have you back regularly because it seems like there's so much oh, more to talk about. <laughs> always, always so much more to talk about. Uh, first off, you, you're doing a docu-series. We talked about it a little bit before we started recording here. 
Masters of the Hunt. You want to tell me about that when it's coming out and uh, just some little bit of behind the scenes? Sure. Right, sure. So uh, Masters of the Hunt is um, a docu-series. It's Bigfoot. Uh, we are looking at this subject and this phenomenon from every angle possible. It's, it's not just, you know, going camping in an area where there's some sightings and maybe we get something, maybe we don't, subject matter and investigation never stops, whether it's uh, from your chair where you're looking at new videos on your iPad or, or out in the field. Um, there's a lot going on. Uh, there's new witnesses all the time. There's new technology that we can use, always being developed um, and using new and unique ways. Um, so uh, we've started production about two years ago. Uh, that's when we actually started filming. Uh, COVID put a little bit of a damper on that, kind of slowed things down, at least from a field investigation standpoint. But, but, um, but we've been filming B-roll, we've been doing uh, for the project itself um, and, and custom producing a, a lot of things specifically for this project. So uh, Masters of the Hunt, the title doesn't come from me being a great Bigfoot hunter or anybody I'm working with necessarily being a great Bigfoot hunter. The, the title comes from um, the name that the Cherokee had for a tribe of giants that would come to visit them and would hunt with them um, hundreds of years ago. Uh, Pre-colonial or early colonial days is when uh, one of the most uh, reputable recordings of this event happened, uh, written down by James Mooney in mid-1800s. He was documenting uh, stories of the Cherokee and with an interview with the Cherokee man, he said, you know, my grandmother told me this story. It's in the 1850, I think. Right. This guy, this Cherokee man's grandmother told him this story about this happened to her, you know, uh, ancestors. So, happened a long time ago, but um, they were referred to as the Lords of the Game, and a more modern interpretation of that would be Masters of the Hunt. Um, nice. And that's how they were invoked in Cherokee hunting rituals. Um, these were huge, powerful creatures that just dominated their apex predators. So that's where the name comes from, and we'll carry it throughout the series, but it's specific to the area where we're starting this journey, which is in the Blue Ridge Mountains and moving out throughout the throughout this first season uh, through the Appalachian mountain chain. So uh, these are the oldest mountains in the world. These are ancient, ancient, ancient mountains and full of caverns, mostly unexplored. Um, so we don't really know what's going on, but we do know that there's a lot of sightings here. Um, another aspect that we're looking at is the cultural impact of sighting reporting. How, how many of these sightings are actually being reported? And how does that skew population estimates by Bigfoot researchers who say, oh, this area, that area has more, uh, a larger population simply because of the reports they're getting? Well, I can tell you here in the South, people are much more reserved when it comes to this topic, yeah. um, even educated or not, all, across all demographics, religious or not, people don't talk about it as much. Um, one of the hardest things we've had taking this journey and starting this journey here in the South is just that um, people don't want to talk about it. They'll tell me about it. They don't want to go on camera. Uh, this might be for a variety of reasons, uh, religious, 
economic, maybe they have a business, uh, but, or a job that they would frown upon going public with this kind of information. But I know that there's a lot going on here. Like talking to a lot of people that are having a lot of interesting uh, encounters that I've been able to actually follow up on and, and had some uh, found some evidence of my own to back it up. But uh, I can tell you it's an active area and there's a long history there. And so the masters of the hunt, the lords of the game, uh, their name is a plural form of the name Sul Kalu, who is the great god of the hunt, the Cherokee. And there's a famous legend about Sul Kalu. And we'll have a whole episode dedicated pretty much to this guy. Uh, but uh, Sul Kalu was known for mind speak. He was known for being a great hunter, obviously, just stacking deer with his bare hands. Yeah. Um, and for ripping up trees, whole trees, dragging whole trees around. All of this is very big for like behavior, as well as living underground inside a mountain in very remote spots that humans couldn't even get to. So all this stuff sounds very Sasquatch-like. And I, you know, I don't know that, uh, obviously we don't know what exactly ancient Cherokee were seeing, um, what type of Bigfoot we're talking about here that this might represent. And we don't know that actually, I mean, these could have been more human-like giants, but I think in a lot of cases, um, one of the types we may be dealing with a multiple of these types may be very human-like, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's a very interesting, rich history here of Sukalu or Chukola, uh in these mountains uh, that we're starting in. And there certainly seems to have still, certainly seems to still be something here that people are seeing that matches this kind of description and creating the same kind of experiences that these ancient indigenous people were having yeah so um you you even I, mentioned uh like this is before we record you were talking about how um a lot of like in the the native american legends or whatever they refer to them as devils or right or yeah, something so like that sure yeah so you had the cherokee devil which was a name for a bigfoot like creature um and a lot of early settlers and um, you know native indigenous people would name places, you know, the Devil's Ridge, the Devil's Creek, or Devil's this or Devil's that, uh, because these creatures live there. And if you think about how a lot of people uh, describe them, sometimes with red eyes, or gnarled-looking face, uh, these horrific screams and that kind of stuff, you can understand why these early people might call them the Devil. Yeah. So um, one place that is in eyesight from Judicola Rock, which Judicola was the anglicized version of Sulkaloon, um, is the Devil's Courthouse. And that was said to be one of the dwellings. And that's this steep rock face that leads up to like a cavernous area. Um, and that's where, you know, one of the places he was said to dwell. And in the original story, um, he takes a Cherokee bride and her brother goes looking for him and, and he has a hard time getting to her because he lives in this remote steep cave with a, with a steep rock face. So um, there's things that tie in very uh, interestingly to these old stories and locations you can find here. Uh, 
there's even a line. And if you look on the motion post that we released, the first sort of little teaser uh, we put it out so we give everybody a, a vibe and aesthetic of where we're going with this, um, there's a little Easter egg in that, in that uh, poster. You'll see a line on probably the lower third going through, um, just looks like a rock texture with the line. A rock texture actually comes from Jude color rock. And some historians uh, theorize that that line was a borderline for hunting grounds. On one side were the Cherokee hunting grounds, on the other side where the masters would hunt. Would hunt. You know, that was their hunting grounds. So um, that's a little Easter egg that's in the poster. Um, you can go back and look at it, and go look at photos of Jude color rock and see that. Um, so, you know, um, we're looking at this from a historical standpoint. Uh, we're going out and doing investigations and we're, we're trying to be properly equipped, whether that's the proper long lenses, um, something I talk about on social media all the time because I'm a photographer and a videographer by trade is have the right equipment. You know, um, a lot of people ask, you see a lot of Bigfoot hunters running around with GoPros. GoPros are great cameras. Um, those kind of action cameras are great to have, but it's not going to give you just like a cell phone. It's not going to give you the image you want at the end of the day. It might tell you, oh, there was something back there. You might catch something you wouldn't normally catch, but you're not going to get that photo that really makes people go, wow, that's National Geographic style photography or videography. Yeah. Um, because the lens is too wide. It's a very simple thing. If you understand photography, most uh, cell phone cameras are 24 to 28 millimeters. It's an extremely wide lens. That's something you're going to get from like a POV in a monster movie. Uh, but typically in cinema, you're not going to go much wider in normal photography than 35 millimeters. Most nature photography is shot between 200 and 400 millimeters. So that's a much longer lens. These and as you get that long lens, you're that far zoomed in, you start to have stability issues. So that's why anytime you see a nature photographer, most of the time, especially if they're trying to shoot video, they're on sticks, they're on a tripod. Yeah. Because the more you zoom in, try it even with your cell phone, or pick your cell phone up, try to do your digital zoom, you're gonna see that things start getting real shaky. And that's pretty much with any zoom. Um, so, uh, that's why we end up with shaky footage, blurry footage. We talked about earlier. A lot of times it's not blurry, it's pixelated. Right. Pixelated can come from low light, pixelated can come from cropping, pixelated can come from zooming in too much, low resolution to start with, online compression. These videos that are online go through a long digital life, and every time they're uploaded, downloaded, re uploaded, re downloaded even when they're being filmed on their phone or wherever they film it, it there's a compression going on. Even with a modern, you know, $5,000 mirrorless DSLR or something, uh, or mirrorless uh, digital camera, you um, still have compression going on. unless you're using some sort of raw uh, separate recorder, typically. Most people that see Bigfoot aren't set up like this. You know, you're not set up for, you know, with 10, 20, 30 grand worth of professional video uh, or photo equipment. And then happen to have your tripod set up in just the right spot for Bigfoot to step out for you to get that high. You know, I get it all the time. TikTok, our TikTok has gone over 200,000 followers. And wow, so many times a day, 
it's 2021. Why can't we get a clear yeah. photo or video wall? Go try to get, you know how long these guys are sitting out there trying to get that Arctic Fox on video? Right. Sit out there for two years with 20 grand worth of equipment in the snow, waiting for that Arctic Fox to walk in front of their tripod. You know, that's that's why we're not getting it. So one of the, we're trying to go out there with all the right equipment, not just GoPros and, and, and that kind of stuff, but the right drones, both standard drones as well as thermal drones, thermal cameras, nice. long lenses, setting up some new light trap technology. So we're not actually trying to um, trap them with a camera. We're trying to make sure they're lit. So if we do get something and it's not runoff IR, so we're not gonna be dealing with potential IR issues. It's not that kind of trap. So there's a lot of strategy going on. There's a lot of people that need to be in play for specific situations. And they, you know, it's, is something gonna wander into our trap? Who knows, but we're, like I said, this is an ongoing project because it's, I don't foresee this ending anytime soon because um, I don't foresee my interest ending, ending it anytime soon. And I, it's gonna take a lot to get any kind of real answer. But I think at the end of the day, utilizing, every form of technology that's out there, uh, stuff that's being used in other types of paranormal investigations, stuff that is being used already in Bigfoot investigations and stuff that exists but isn't quite being used in the way it should for Bigfoot investigations. Uh, we'll come back with a lot more information on the subject um, for the future of uh, its existence and our interests as human beings. Um, and then other things we're looking at is how can we talk to the people that just say, not just with photographic and videographic information and, and knowledge, but everyone that says it's just a suit or it's just CGI. Um, that's another aspect that we're looking at. And I can tell you already, um, it's not a lot of cases, it's not just a suit and it's definitely not CGI. CGI right off the bat is going to be extremely difficult to make look real um, on something with hair. Right. Something with hair is an incredibly detailed creature and to make that hair move and flow in any sort of realistic way, it's not going to be easy. And um, I'm not sure if it's even really possible unless it, no one's really trying it. You don't see it being done in a way that and if it is, it's not being done by Hollywood with millions of dollars to do it All right. in a way that any person that watches movies would say that's CG, you know, um, and it's cool CG, but it's still CG. Uh, and then you start adding things like there's branches in the foreground of the shot. It's just, one of my favorite videos of all time is the Leaping Yeti, Leaping Almasty in Russia. Oh, you know, the one where it's like leaping over trees and yeah. falling trees and all this crazy the physicality of that creature alone, a lot of people, because of the physicality, automatically say to me, that's CG. I can tell you that I've been in the industry for 20 years. I can't really tell you how that would be CG. It's, like, it's handheld. So, okay, so you can shoot it on a tripod and then you add the shake and, and post-production. It doesn't look like that to me. Um, secondly, you'd have to create that entire environment in CG because you have all these different elements in the foreground. I just don't think this 
Russian kid and his dad went through all this. Right. And shot it on this crappy camera in Siberia <laughs> and produced that video. It just, it just didn't happen. So, um, I mean, I think even The Sun has been on like, you know, Paranormal Call of Cameras, one of those shows, mm-hmm. um, and talks about it. It's real. I, you've seen that guy interviewed, you don't, nothing about him <laughs> seems like he could possibly done that. I don't know how, I don't know how I would uh, CG. Uh, it's one of the videos that I'm at least going to try to produce the physicality of. Um, it practically, practical effects or anything you produce uh, practically uh, without computer generation. But it's been very hard so far. We've been we are we produced two suits. One um, one suit is being brought to life by a six foot seven, three hundred seventy five pound ex professional wrestler. I love it. Uh, big huge guy um one of the other suits is we've modified some technology that's existed for about 20 years um but made some customizations to it and it's meant to sort of emulate that sort of athleticism that we'll see in that video but i can tell you we've been trying to do this and this is part of the process this is part of the real documentary process that authentic process but it's it's not been easy and it's not been um, our suits take damage. You know, these are suits that are very expensive already. So get into that. They're expensive to produce. Now they're taking damage in like the first few shoots with them. Um, and we're not, you know, as of yet, we haven't been able to produce that level of physicality. Right. Um, and we've found environments that we thought would be fairly easy to operate in have been extremely difficult. Is as simple as a cornfield. It's been extremely difficult to uh, produce any sort of emulated hoax video or you know try to produce what we're seeing in some of these videos so far it's been almost impossible i mean some of these are obviously very simple if you just see a photo you never know photos can be manipulated much more easily um but a video we actually have um you know kinetic movement from these creatures it's hard to create that and it's very expensive already. So I think, you know, before people say automatically it's a suit or it's CG, um, wait till this comes out, <laughs> watch it. And you'll see that it's very hard to try to produce some of what's going on here. And then you, you know, even something as simple as the independent state footage, which is that famous shot of, you know, the mother carrying the baby through the boulder field. Uh, good luck. Good luck with that. Good luck. It's, it's a, probably like a 45 degree slope, maybe a little bit less, but we're a full suit. If, if that baby is a hand puppet, that's the only way I can see to do it practically is to have that baby just be a hand puppet. It's carrying it like this, you know. Operate a hand puppet, walk in a Bigfoot suit, down a hill, through a boulder field, and don't fall and break the neck and look that smooth. And the whole time you're looking over here. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, while well, looking at the camera. camera. Yeah. You're not even looking where you're going. And you put on these masks. If you're wearing a mask, you know, we've got some guys wearing, we're trying testing out all kinds of different types of, of suits and suit pieces. We've made them fairly modular so we can take different pieces from different. Some people just make masks, you know, that are out there doing this on Etsy or whatever it is, right. or professional uh, makeup artists. Some people are, it's just stuff you can buy at Walmart. We're trying to sort of test everything out and see what works. But some of these masks you can't even see out of unless they're just perfectly made to fit your face or we go through some sort of customization to make sure they do. 
Um, it's a big, it's a big pain to try to, to try to do this um, and recreate some of, now I don't post, I try not to post videos that are obviously a guy in a Walmart gorilla suit. Right. Um, trying to post anything like that. So I'm focusing on the videos that are, I'm going, how'd they do that? And now I'm trying to do it as a filmmaker. Yeah. And just run into all these, I mean, even just scheduling, you know, just getting your buddy, you know, your buddies or your coworkers or other filmmakers, whoever, get everybody there the same day. The guy in the suit, then, then it doesn't rain, then it doesn't, you know, you don't have this happen or that happen or, you know, it's been too hot to even film. I mean, you yeah. guys are going to have heart attacks until, <laughs> you know, a few weeks ago. These suits are really hot. We, you know, we're in a warehouse putting this one suit together for our first test shots. I'm putting appliance on this guy and he's in a full suit. His makeup sweating off in a warehouse yeah. with fans and AC and all this stuff going full blast. And his makeup sweating off almost as quickly as I can put it on. Um, just that so, alone, that alone is a, a perfect reason why you won't see people out here just doing this for fun as a hoax. It's, it's a lot of work, man. It's yeah. a lot of work. I don't, I don't, it's money, it's work. And I'm still trying to do all these other aspects of it, you know, cover all these other aspects of the phenomenon. Um, like I said, from history to just standard investigations, but adding this element in of trying to show people what goes into this. I mean, when you talk about, I've told a lot of people lately on social media to go watch this new documentary that came out last year about the Planet of the Apes. It's a documentary just about the original Planet of the Apes movies and the makeup effects behind it. Yeah. And think the two cowboys from Northern California produced a suit comparable to Patty's right. at the same time frame when Hollywood couldn't. Right. Planet of the Apes are all wearing clothes. You know why? you don't have to produce all that. Right. Right. I mean, they're supposed to be domesticated or civilized or whatever you want to call it. But that's a lot, that's a lot of extra cost in producing the bodysuit and, and the whole thing. So um, you know, I, I think that's gonna be an important aspect of maybe hoping to wake people up to the fact that this is not an easy thing to just hoax. It's easy to say. It's easy to say suit, suit. I don't know how many comments a day I get suit, suit, suit. Yeah. CG, CG, suit, suit, but it's, it's not that easy. It's, it's very difficult. Um, I, I love that. It, you, it's like you're debunking the debunkers, you know? It's, I, I would it's, love to, I, I, want to, I want to see someone. I mean, I had someone say that to some, two people were arguing on, on Instagram the other day on one of my posts. And the guy had a good point. He said, then go produce that. Go right. produce that video. Go do it. If it's just fake, it's just, it's, it's just a hoax go produce it and that's i wanted to say that's what we're doing but <laughs> I, I didn't yet um but i you know i think that's um i think it's such an important thing to look at and i imagine that i'm going to have some kickback from the community in some places people are going to say oh you're teaching them how to hoax or whatever i'm teaching you that it's not worth it right. don't try it <laughs> it's not it's not easy it's going to cost you so much money so much time and you know like i said i was going to that cornfield uh, with one of the guys in the suits a couple weeks ago. This cornfield's full of these reeds with these massive mutated thorn sticker things that have mutated from too much Roundup. And now they're like four times the size they used to be. And I was covered with them by the time I got out of there. My whole, I brought a bunch of them home with me, couldn't get them all off. 
you know, I'd go lean back in the, we were in a Jeep. We were way out of it. And I'm, you know, I'm getting stuck every time I try to move somewhere because there's my whole body is covered in these things. We're cutting them out of the suit. I'm cutting them out of my on-camera mics, uh, wind muff. Yeah. It, I don't, I don't know who it's hot. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> I don't know who would want to, it, it's almost impossible for some of these videos to have been hosed. And so if we're taking the fact that, okay, maybe some of these were, that's doable, maybe perhaps. And, I, and we're going to find that I'm sure when we look at some videos, um, but some of them aren't. And if they're not hosed, it's not practical effects. It's not CGI effects. What, is, what was it? Right. Then it's something real in camera that yeah. they captured. What is that? Then yeah. So that's that's a big. I don't know. You know, it's it's a hard gamble. You're making a documentary to just say, "Oh, I'm going to go get some footage of a bigfoot." You know, if anything, might be able to sell some paradoia or something like that. <laughs> you know, but to get something crisp and clear, we at least. You know, like I said, I want to go out with the right equipment to make sure we can do it. We can use thermal, we can use uh, standard drones, we can use all these night vision, we can use all these things to maybe locate where we might have a creature, but a thermal image is never going to sell it. Yeah. Never can convince anybody. Never. And I have some, I have some longer term plans with this where I would like to sort of take that uh, a little bit further, but you know, in this first bit, you know, I just want to make sure that we're out there with the right equipment to get a clear photo if we need it. Um, and to use all this other equipment almost as support, a support apparatus, a support infrastructure to be able to locate where a partic particular target might be and then get the right equipment there to get the image that we need or to drive them into the right area that we can light up to get the right image we need. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, you know, I, again, even night vision, thermal, I don't think any of that is going to sell anybody at the end of the day. It's cool. There's some really cool thermal footage out there. Expedition Bigfoot uh, has come up with some cool stuff in the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. That one where the you see the thing, I don't know if it's season two, but comes up. And there's some deer in front of it, and you can see this big, like, head and shoulders kind of come up out of the bushes. And Very cool stuff, but it's not, and at the end of the day, somebody's going to say that's just a person. Yeah. You know, because you or, can't tell it. Yeah, or that they just faked the whole video and they did a, you know, CG thermal image. Right, right, CG thermal. Have, a, have the right camera with the light lens on the right support system. Hit it with a spotlight, right? Yeah. You know, or something. Even, even our drones have spotlights on them. We put a drone right above it, hit it with the light. You know, something so that we can get a clear image if we have the opportunity. And um, if not, we're at least putting together a blueprint of a more comprehensive way of getting the evidence that we need to add more weight to the subject. Um, so that's sort of the investigation, the history, like I said, we're starting in, uh, in the Appalachians for a season, we'll focus on these mountains. And um, the first probably three episodes will be in the Blue Ridge, which is the southern sort of uh, Georgia, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, a bit of Tennessee. And that area is sort of where we'll start the first three to four episodes. Um, and there's some famous cases here. We have Dennis Martin, that's right on the North Carolina Tennessee border where he disappeared. 
people saw something very Bigfoot-like at that time um, of his disappearance. Um, there's a lot of interesting, funny enough, there's a bunch of interesting sightings around the Masonic Lodge on the Blue Ridge Parkway in North Carolina. Really? Which is weird that they're like, you're that just, I mean, I just thought it was interesting. I'm uh, looking at Bigfoot map, the Bigfoot map app. I don't know if you've seen that, um, yep. but he, um, he's going to be working with us. We're working with those guys to put together some maps for this project and probably do some interactive stuff through the app. Uh, so people can see some sort of exclusive behind the scenes type clips through the app itself nice. uh, on, on pinned locations where we're investigating. Um, but, uh, you know, there's some interesting stuff right around the Sonic Lodge, uh, recent, recent, fairly recent, uh, longer, older encounters, but some very recent ones as well. Um, I think I told, uh, told you before we started recording, um, I've got a guy out of Pennsylvania, um, who after seeing our last talk, mm -hmm. sent me some microscopic photos, like photos taken with a microscope of, uh, hair samples that he's collected apparently has a lot of activity in his area of the, his neck of the woods um so he's going to be getting those i told you in the last talk i think i have another hair sample from a guy around here yes uh, in this area so we're going to be looking at hair samples getting some dna tests done on those um so there's tons of stuff going on uh, like i said i mean it's we we're talking about earlier it's a such a great catalyst subject yeah. gateway subject for so many different things um yeah. you know everything from you know evolution quantum physics all these different tons of stuff yeah. government conspiracies <laughs> indigenous <laughs> people uh all kinds of history you know there's there's a ton of stuff so um one of the stories i told you earlier that i just got but haven't been able to get the guy to come talk to me yet um three hunters in alabama are uh, hunting right at you know dusk. One of them takes a shot, it's a kill shot, but the deer gets a few steps in. So deer heads into the wood line, they go after it. In the meantime, the light, they lose the light and uh, they can't find this deer. So looking everywhere, they got flashlights, uh, there's a good bit of leaf cover. Uh, and so one of the guys has the thermal, he gets up in a tree stand, he's looking around, he sees the deer and his two buddies are standing right beside the deer. It's like, guys, he's on the radio, guys, the deer's right beside you. What are you doing? It's right there. They're like, what are you talking about? They're looking at, you can see their flashlights moving around. It's like, well, why can't you see it? I can see it on thermal, plain as day. It's right there, getting a heat signature. They finally find this deer. The deer, sitting in like a shallow recently dug out maybe six inch deep mini grave or something or divot where something had recently dug this out and covered the deer leaves that's wild what does that right what does that in in a few minutes yeah it couldn't have been more than minutes from the time they shot this deer to that happen and yeah. of course we hear stories of bigfoot still stealing uh hunters you know kills and that kind of thing that's sort of an old story that goes back into the history of indigenous people tell absolutely so um 
That's fascinating. So it's, yeah, it's such an interesting story. It's not necessarily Bigfoot. He didn't see a Bigfoot. There was no encounter. Nobody saw anything. What bear is a deer? You know? <laughs> right. What buried a deer in a few minutes before they could get to the area where the deer dropped? Um, I don't know. But hopefully he'll talk to me. I told him he doesn't have to say it's Bigfoot because he didn't see me. I don't want anybody to say anything that's not true. But at least to share that experience. So I think it's a very interesting one and it's own it's in line with the behavior that we see these creatures so um that's an interesting story also um uh, a few weeks ago i got a report more people that aren't hesitant to come on camera uh, this is an area uh sort of where north carolina georgia and south carolina meet right there on the edge of north georgia and um it's near a water source and these people said they had a sighting. Creature got up, went up, you know, ran up into the woods. They were questioning what they saw. They went to investigate. They find tracks, um, and that was sort of their story. They they say they have pictures of the tracks, trying to get a hold of them, um, but uh, you know they're kind of iffy about communication. So, so um, a few uh, two weeks ago or so, I'm gotten up really early. I drove to this area for near about 30 minutes away and I'm shooting uh, some dawn magic hour drone footage for the, for the project. Some B-roll. I've got my dog with me. Um, and I'm like, you know what? I'm only 30 minutes away. It's a little bit of a detour on my way home, but let's go check it out. So I go to this spot. Exactly where they saw it was a little bit of a steep grade. Um, extremely steep grade. It's actually at the base of a waterfall. Um, to get my dog down there, I was, I was worried about with equipment and you know, the dog and everything getting down there. Um, so I decided I'd just take a little hike up this game trail. Let's just kind of see it going up in the woods um, near where you go check out the waterfall. Uh, and I take it and there's some human tracks and the human tracks disappear as I get deeper and deeper in there. I started to see some deer tracks. And this is interesting. Okay. Um, all of a sudden, there you are. There's some 20 inch tracks. Wow. Human like, obvious toes. I've sent them to a few people. I sent them to you. Um, but there's at least three solid consecutive tracks. It didn't show up as well on camera as I wanted them to. Um, but obvious toes. Um, I showed them to a couple of people that aren't Bigfoot people just to start. Like, what do you think about this? All right. They're like, oh, those, those are toes. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, obvious toes right there. Uh, so we're talking very big track. And compared to the human tracks you saw earlier in the trail, you're talking tiny, tiny. Uh, your human tracks were tiny compared to this. And they seem to be in line following these deer tracks. So um, in an area where just had a recent encounter, I think Bigfoot map just posted another recent encounter in the general area of this place, this location. And uh, so I've been back a couple of times investigating the area and haven't found more tracks. Maybe, um, certainly not as clean as the first ones. But what I have found is that there are some unfinished tunnels. Really? In the area. So there's some pretty solid, basically a cave yeah uh where these guys could be living uh easily uh very interesting tunnels 
uh, that were just started and, and not finished for whatever reason, lost funding, whatever it was, very early produced 1800s yeah. tunnels that were just left unfinished. They could easily be uh, a nice place to sleep if you were up in the woods, um, yeah. needed a cool, dry spot. So there's habitat, there's certainly um, food, water, shelter, everything in this area and a long history of not only is this prime early Cherokee habitat pre-trail tiers, but uh, even today, if you drive through some of the local mountain towns, there's a, you'll see big, Bigfoot statues outside. This mm -hmm. is in the South, you know? So it's not, it's not, you're not in, you know, Washington state where you, that's pretty common and kitschy. It's more just like this random Bigfoot statue on Main Street. It's like, what's not even like, it's not a Bigfoot gift shop. It's nothing, it's not a, little museum or anything like that. It's just a random business. Um, and there's a Bigfoot festival around, you know, the South Carolina Bigfoot Festival is, you know, maybe an hour from this location. Um, so it's definitely got a, a history in that area. North Georgia's really active. It seems yeah. like um, I got another report from a guy recently who uh, it's actually a third party originally put me on this uh, thread, but uh, this guy took his son out hunting in North Georgia in the Appalachian Mountains there. Um, they had to get to the location via horseback. So this is not, you're not even taking your rock crawler, certainly not taking your Jeep, you're not taking your minivan. Nobody is just going out to this area right. to just hang out. Um, so he and his son are out there hunting, they've gone to bed and they just basically get um, a ton of rocks thrown at them. They hear some crazy sounds. This whole goes on all night. This is a hard, like hard stoic mountain, Southern mountain people, not really easily shook and um, very shook up by this, very shook up. So uh, I recently finally got some photos from the encounter. Uh, and there were rocks there that obviously weren't, they were obviously new. So again, I take everybody by the word, um, based on what this guy's telling me and what I'm being sent evidence-wise, um, they had some big rocks thrown at them. They took some big chunks, these rocks took big chunks out of the trees around where they were camping. And that's not an easy thing to do, you know? That's no, it's not. Uh, these are big rocks and they, they did some serious damage to the trees surrounding their camp. So it's, uh, what was that? You know, yeah. you have just people waiting up in the woods to mess with people. I mean, I guess you could, um, but these aren't, the guys, these aren't the kind of guys you want to mess with. You know? right. the kind of guys. And the fact, just the fact that these particular guys didn't get out of their tent because what they were hearing, what was going on, you would think these guys would just get out of their tent and start blasting or something, or at least threaten to, or these guys just stayed in their tent Wow! and wrote it out because, but I mean, they're up there like elk hunting, you know, and these aren't like, they've, right. got, a, they've got some firepower. They're not, you know, carrying BB guns, they're not squirrel hunting, you know, it's <laughs> All right. 22. Um, they're looking to take big game. They had something that could have done some damage and, they just stayed in their tent and wrote it out. So um, that's one place I haven't gotten to yet, but um, hopefully I'll convince them to take me back up there and we'll see what we can find. At least based on the pictures, at least the trees 
that were there should still be there with the damage that they took. You know, should yeah. still be evident. Exactly. This, wasn't, this was six months ago, maybe, if that long. So um, it'd be nice to at least check out the spot. Um, you know, we have environmental DNA options now, not just you know, testing hair, but you know, so you know, maybe we can find something with that. Um, certainly samples we've been taking now, but you know, all of that is cost. So uh, just adds to the greater scope of what we're doing and trying to not go broke doing it and, and do something is uh, exciting. I just wanna, you know, I wanna produce something that gets people really excited, you know? Yeah. I think you're in a unique position for this, you know, cause one, you have the passion, you, you know what you're looking for, you know, uh, you, you don't have, like you said earlier, you don't have an end game in mind. You're letting this you know, develop. And yeah, I mean, we're going to put it out on video on demand and all that stuff, but it's not, this is a labor of love, you know? I mean, right. obviously we hope to make money on it so we can keep making, you know, keep doing more and more and we'll continue to do it one way or the other, but, um, but we want to get bigger. We want to get better. We want to use more equipment, better equipment, right. be able to produce uh, eventually, you know, we talked about practical effects and suits so far. Eventually I'd like to be able to produce a composite at the end of each season practically yes. of witness sightings because you know it seems to be that there's not just colloquial names for these guys in different regions but there's specific types in different areas and sometimes multiple specific types in different areas so eventually i'd like to really be able to get you know a full-time and sometimes different uh full-time effects makeup artists to sort of let's put together a composite Right. what we think this type is based on witness testimonies in this area let's create a really well-produced practical composite of what this creature is and then maybe you know if it needs to be if we only have a guy that's six seven and we need to make the creature nine foot then we'll do some digital right we'll take that we'll shoot it on blue screen or green screen and we'll make him a little bit bigger and then we can take that and go show that to witnesses okay so based on what you saw, how close did we get? Right. And this is what the, you know, West Virginia woodbooker looks like, or whatever the case may be, right. the, you know, the Cherokee devil, this is what that looks like. This is what the Ohio howler, you know, the grass man, whatever it is, this is what that looks like um, based on witness. And this is the best practical recreation we could do of that. You know, Monster Quest always had those cheesy CG, Models. Yeah, three were cool back then. Yeah. You know, it was yeah, Twitter. That was that was kind of cool, you know, in like the late 2000s, maybe right. mid 2000 mid uh 2010s, whatever long that show went. But we want to I want to do something similar to that, but be able to actually produce it in real life, if you will. Um and, and see what kind of now some of the witnesses I've talked to might not want to see that. It might give them like you know, post-traumatic stress yeah. uh, from, from how they've talked about some of the experiences they've had. But I think it's, it would be a really interesting thing to show to, to people and might bring life to it in a way right. that, that that CG from Monster Quest or that kind of stuff, even just a artist rendering yeah. is never going to um, So, you know, it's, there's a lot to it. Um, again, I hope that maybe by the end of this first season, I'm able to do that with what we get from from the Blue Ridge and from the Appalachians yeah. um, but 
you know, we'll see. We already, like I said, we already have two suits made and they're modular. So we're going to be trying out different things, different pieces, longer arms, shorter arms, you know, uh, more ape looking faces, more human looking faces. We're kind of already doing this, but you know, that's why, you know, I really want to keep taking it to the next level and, and get people into this because we want to make it bigger. We want to go better. I want every episode, every season yes. to keep taking it further. And we're not going to go from maybe the first episode will be a little bit remedial, but I don't really, you know, it's kind of like not every Batman movie needs to be an origin story. Not every uh, Spider-Man movie needs to be an origin story. We don't need that every time. We know yeah, Batman's parents got killed. If you're watching <laughs> it, you're already a Sasquatch believer, you know, or at least at so, least curious. Yes. I, I love all the documentaries that are coming out. I watch it. I watch it all. And I try to pay for it. You know, if it's a pay documentary, I'll, I buy them all. I watch it all. Support these filmmakers. Um, Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to take just a minute to tell you guys about SquatchSurvivalGear.com. If you're into camping, bushcraft, survival, prepping, or just looking for an everyday carry, SquatchSurvivalGear.com has everything you need. They have the gear to help you survive the worst day of your life. You know, it's just to help you be ready. Uh, For me, I have the Rock Ape Pack. It's one of the backpacks that they offer. It is, it's a good size bag. You know, it, I, I took it out on my last trip for a, for a four-day camp, and everything I needed fit in there. Um, they have things that go from that size down to, like, a sling bag. They have a bigger bag, you know, like the Grassman or the Yowie. Uh, and if you haven't noticed, they have cool names, too. You know, they're named after, you know, these cryptids, the Minahuni. Uh, they, 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 they got it all. But the gear itself is 100% made in America, Every component is made in America. Um, the guy that's designing them and making them here, his name is Chris. He's been on my show a couple times, but he's a uh, he's a veteran, and he went with the gear that he used while in military service, and reconfigured it to to be even better. 
and made it available you know, to the civilian sector. Top-of-the-line gear, absolutely bomb-proof. I love it. Best stuff I've ever had in my life. You know, I've, I've had Camelbacks. I've had L.L. Bean. I've had uh, some, some really high-end stuff. But this Squatch Survival gear, it just it steals the show. Uh, it's fantastic gear. So go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com. You can use promo code BUMP10 and save 10% on anything on the entire site. But I can only take so much of the same. I already know this stuff. I mean, I've been researching this for 30 years. You know, I've been, you know, it's like, I, I get it. Uh, you know, Patty was in the Pacific Northwest, Bluff Creek, shot films, great, it's cool, whatever. Um, but what is, what's next? And where are we going with theory here? You know, because we're still, there's one, maybe there's one, okay, maybe there's 15, maybe there's 20, maybe there's 1,000, whatever, in the Pacific Northwest. That's it. We know that's not the case uh, and with everything's developing in paleoanthropology, we've got, you know, Neanderthal inbreeding that's just come out in the last 20 years. We've got now the Denisovans in the last 10 years. Now we've got these ghost populations. Yeah, I saw that. Popping up and all, we know all this inbreeding going on. Paleoanthropology is showing us that at least the ancient stories are fall in line with what we know was happening in the ancient world, which yeah. is crazy, right? So now it's like, this is a way bigger scope and it's so important to human history. And it's so much more complex, I think, than anybody ever thought. And if there's all these different types that were interbreeding 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, 30,000 years ago, then there's probably a lot of different types now that have continued to evolve, continue to adapt, are different. You know, you've got all these stories of whether it's the story of Sukalu or the story of Seraphim Long in the Pacific Northwest, you've got these stories of interbreeding. And the Sukalu story, um, the Cherokee bride he takes gives, gives him children. Right. So they're interbreeding, right? So it's got to be close enough to us that they can breed. Um, and we see that in paleoanthropology now. So um, it's exciting time, I think, to be in the subject matter. Uh, I think a lot of what's coming out in concrete science, modern, you know, accepted science, I guess you would say, is is supporting sort of the lore. But now we just really need to start honing in on a, on a larger theory of what's going on here. Um, and I think we're dealing with, you know, if you say, and we may have talked about this a little bit before, but if you say, well, that can't be Bigfoot in that video because its arms aren't long enough. Right. Yeah. I get that all maybe, the time. I like you can't set one set of biometrics for every type of Bigfoot that might exist. Yeah. You know, um, because some may have longer arms for this evolutionary adaptation or this breeding or hybridization that was going on with one type or another. But, you know, in the, I think it's very easy to think that on the East Coast, where we are, where a lot of people say they see something that looks Neanderthal like. Right. If we're talking about a land bridge, um, you know, from Alaska to Asia, last, last ice age, that was covered by ice, you could easily have something similar going up through Canada, Greenland, and that area where, where, you know, maybe it wasn't all, but maybe it was crossable. So maybe you had more Neanderthal types, Denisovan types, and whatnot coming from Northern Europe, 
crossing over into Greenland and those areas, and then coming back down. It was also a lot less warm. Sea levels were a lot lower, so there may have been more land there. There's an island called High Brazil that was supposed to be off the coast of Ireland. That's gone now, but it might have been there 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago. So there may have been a lot more islands, a lot more land that maybe you could swim to, maybe a Bigfoot could swim to, or whatever we're talking about here. Um, so maybe we had, it, it's interesting to me that you have more Neanderthal types described on the East Coast. Um, and that would make sense with that sort of migration pattern from Northern Europe where Neanderthals were prevalent. Um, now, is it the exact same thing? Not necessarily. Neanderthals were obviously are thought to be smaller than we are, at least in height. Right. Um, but it could have been some similar type, some sort of hybrid breed or other version that's similar to Neanderthals and other species that uh, they came here with them, likely. Um, and we also know that we came here a lot earlier. They just found those tracks in the southwest, 20,000 years old or whatever. Yeah. Human tracks there. So if there were humans here by then, you know what else was here? Whatever else was around. <laughs> Everything else was here. Everything else was here. Yep. So, yeah, man, it's just, it gets really exciting to be um, on this journey right now. Uh, it's the subject matter. And I'm into a lot of things. You know, I don't think we've talked about it that much, but, you know, I, I haven't had... Uh, too much of a direct sighting, but um, I've had other paranormal experiences that kind of opened my eyes to the possibility of this kind of thing. And um, and I've always had a strong uh, interest in paleoanthropology, anthropology, paleontology, that that sort of stuff. So all this, all the cryptids really interest me, and I would like to take the series eventually to, you know, masters of the hunt, chupacabra, or whatever you want to, you know, where you want to go with it, lizard man. You know, I'm from South Carolina, so right. Lizard Man was a big thing when I was a kid. Um, and I think there's a lot of interesting stuff around that. Uh, you look at the work of paleontologist Dale Russell. Dale Russell hypothesized that um, some early dinosaurs or some late Cretaceous period dinosaurs that were already bipedal, already highly intelligent, um, might have evolved into something that was like a lizard man, a reptilian human form if they continue to evolve, called the dinosauroid. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think that's, uh, there's lots of different ways we can go with cryptids, but I feel like Bigfoot's that gateway. Bigfoot's yeah. that, you know, catalyst subject matter that you can really get into all this other stuff from and sort of open people up mentally to, okay, they have all this fossil evidence for similar type creatures, more and more evidence of these guys every day, could they still be here and, and and what is the evidence to show that and um and then just like you said debunking the debunkers yeah say it's everything the suit everything cg um i don't think it is man i don't think there's i got i got this? one fear that just like it just jumped out at me and i'm sure it's crossed your mind too you're making these composites you know you're working towards making composites and you're also investigating. Now, if and when, hopefully when the day comes and you spotlight a Sasquatch, what are you going to say to these people that say, it's one of your suits? You right, know? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. well, um, that's kind of what you have to 
It's kind of what you have to say. But I think they'll see when they compare the two yeah. that it's not. I think that's what they'll see is that I, and you have to do that. Otherwise, anybody could produce a soup, right? Right. It, but if you're showing that, like, listen, man, look, this is what we could produce. And this thing that we just dropped a drone on top of, hit it with a spotlight, and then, you know, shot these long-range photos of it, whatever it was, and then it leapt across you know, <laughs> wherever and disappeared into the woods. Like, we couldn't do that. If, if that happens, I'll go back with one of my suits and recreate it. Yeah. Or try to. Yeah. Of course, that's immediately what I would do. Now, <clears throat> you know, I kind of dropped more than I expected the first time we talked, so I'll do it a little bit more this time. But down the line, what I'd like to do is use these composites as decoys. Oh, I love it. Can we can we combine composite suits with pheromones, possibly, or something else, sound blasting, yeah. all these different things to maybe draw out their interest? We know they're curious creatures, right? Yes. Maybe they'd be like, what is that? Is that one of us? Is that not one of us? Is that another type of us? What is that? And have other people in the appropriate locations to... Um, take the shot if you will yes um and you know we don't know how you know you got to do that but um you know that's a, that's a more advanced team that we got to really put together Man, that's awesome. uh, i i would even like to you know there's dna sample darts mm -hmm. if you got a combination of the right photographic evidence of the event itself photographic video you got full coverage of the event and I think part of this, and right now I'll go ahead and say this, part of our strategy is getting people up high. Because if you listen to a lot of hunters' accounts, like this thing walked right underneath me. I only think it knew I was there because their scent was too high. Yeah. And like the eagle camera, you know, the eagle camera, that you right. one walk through. So if we can identify the right uh, thoroughfares, if you will, put people in the right places uh, with the right equipment, the right time for long enough. And again, it's, it's expensive. It's what National Geographic spends all their money doing putting people for a long period of time, the right places, the right time, the right equipment. Um, but there are DNA sample darts. You can shoot an animal, the dart releases itself basically. Mm -hmm. And you have a sample. So if you have really good photographic evidence of that, you have coverage of taking that shot, hitting the creature, recovering the dart, testing the DNA, that's potentially one way to get some pretty solid proof without having to kill it. Right. A creature. Now, at the end of the day, do you have to have the option there to do otherwise? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. You're probably gonna need like a bear at 50 cow or something to actually right. pull that off. But uh, and I don't know, you know, how much damage is that gonna do to to your you know your subject at the end of the day? Um, and that's certainly like not anything I, I want right. to see happen. But you know. How are we going to prove this otherwise? You know, and that's another thing. A lot of people will be very divided about this. Very interesting aspect of the community is how divided everybody is, whether it may be over, is it ape, is it human, is it woo, is it not woo, is it, and, you know, I think last time we talked about it's a little bit all of it, isn't it? It's probably certain science that we don't understand yet that represents, that's represented in the woo stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's probably variations that are more ape and those are more human i feel like we're we really got to open up the uh the scope of this conversation 
and stop arguing about wood ape or human or you know this or that it's probably all of it you know we need to look at all of it and it's great that those people are doing that specialized research but we don't need to argue about who's right i think we all may be right and we need to put that information together so that we can get this bigger picture of what we're actually dealing with yeah. um and so you know things we talked about earlier too or when we were talking about woo is integrating things like EMF detectors and other uh, tools and technology that are used in other types of paranormal investigation to at least have them in our experiment mm -hmm. is still it's just a it's just a uh, you know an instrument in our experiment to get a reading on if suddenly our EMF detector goes crazy and a Bigfoot runs out of the woods. Maybe he did come through a portal. <laughs> right. you know, maybe they are interdependent because they just set something off that was, was probably going to affect the electromagnetic field of the area. Now, if you see one and it walks right past a tree that you got an EMF detector strapped to and nothing happens, that at least that type existing at that time in that space and that place that we're at in that investigation, it did not just come through a portal. Maybe it came through a portal five miles away. But it's just a constant that you can add to this experiment to start looking at all aspects of the phenomenon and try to get some sort of reading on what we're dealing with. Because I think it's it's all over the place right now yes, it is. and highly contested in all its different facets. And so I really hope that we can use this broad scope of this uh, media that we're creating to sort of create a conversation over how we can pull all these ideas, and all this research together, to really create a more holistic concept of what we're dealing with. I mean, holistic in terms of, you know, yoga and meditating. I mean, holistic in eating. I mean, holistic in terms of it's a whole picture and everything is feeding into each other to create a, a more uh, robust uh, image of, of the phenomenon that we're dealing with. Um, I think it's huge. I mean, it's uh, beyond what anybody can imagine. Yeah. And where it may lead us is beyond where most of us can imagine what we're dealing with. Uh, that may be to the reality of what's going on under the crust of the earth, where these things may or may not be living, uh, the level of environment and livable environment that may exist down there, to um, you know things in quantum physics, where we're talking about interdimensional issues. Um, you know, uh, just human evolution and humanoid, human hominin, yeah. hominid all of this evolution and how that may have diverged for the sake and uh, survival of these creatures and what that can tell us about our past and potentially our future as human beings and you know, where we're going and, and how we've adapted or haven't adapted i mean to me i don't know if you've seen the movie prometheus i don't think i have no it's like a prequel to aliens yeah so it's like a prequel to aliens you should check it out because these aliens come to earth right and see the planet basically a panspermia sort of kind of thing except for they actually come here and they see the planet uh with their dna these guys look like their dna is just super dense like take our dna and make it like a you know put in a forge like a japanese katana and fold it on top of each other you know, hundreds of times, these guys are just big and dense and thick and, you know, just put hair on them. And that's what I almost imagine 
the, at least the more human versions of these things would look like. Nice. Um, very pure, very like dense DNA. So it's, uh, it, to me, it feels like these creatures are almost more Terran than we are. It makes you wonder why we're so frail. Yeah. You know, Earth has never been a easy place to survive. Right. Like, how did we make it? Yeah. Right. And, you know, maybe that's where civilization came from. Maybe we created uh, towns and villages to get away from these things that were more savage or stronger, more adapted to the environment than we are. And so that was our evolutionary adaptation. Um, but these, you know, these things seem much more uh, suited for life on this planet than we do. So that's just one more of those rabbit holes and gateways that this subject can take you on is how did we end up so more frail, so more fragile, so more, uh, you know, and why? You know, what happened and, and how does that apply to our history and our mythology and our, you know, right. that goes into all kinds of things from ancient alien theory onwards. But, um, but it's a, such a great subject and I hope that more people get into it as we move forward and I hope that the project can kind of get some of those doubters rethinking what they're saying. Because even some of the, I mean, some of the videos you see, you're like, okay, even from, from some of these contested people, you're like, okay, that's obviously could be hoax, but uh, you see things jumping from like one cliff to another. You see, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, who's risking their life? And why didn't they get better footage of it? Right, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, because you could, you could have been twice as close, still been, you know, I'm not sure what this is, um, and still got a much better shot of it and still wouldn't have been able to really determine whether it was real or not, but you know, yeah. it just seems like a waste. Some of these people are like risking their lives to, uh, and we know it happens. We know that guy in Montana got hit running around in a ghillie suit by a car, <laughs> but he wasn't jumping from one rock ledge to another. He wasn't, you know, doing crazy, crazy athletic stuff. Um, so, and you know, this is something I told you earlier, we took one of our suits out. I think I told you this before we started recording. We took one of our suits out, had the guy, uh, this is our, our big guy, um, stand by a busy road and wave at cars just to see what the reaction would be. I would say 75% of the people who this guy is standing in a very obvious location, not hiding at all, not peeking out from behind trees, standing in the open, waving at cars, I'd say 75% of the people never saw it. That's wild. I'm sitting there specifically watching the drivers to see who's seeing this huge guy in a Bigfoot suit. All right. Waving at him. And most people drive by and don't even look. So if you're talking about a creature, even of that size, that's standing right within a tree line, you'd be standing any busy highway, any busy road. This was at five o'clock in the city it wasn't like you know it wasn't like out in the woods somewhere right. this was outside of our warehouse that we were, we were using to put the suit together and we're just this was one of the first times we put together one of this particular um application of, of one of the suits and rush hour traffic nobody's even noticing it wow so i think that alone to me was really 
I'm like, I'm going to do a whole section on this. We're going to do this. We're yeah. going to show you guys the people driving by, not even seeing this huge Bigfoot just standing on the side of the road. Yeah. Because you're so caught up with whatever's going on in your life otherwise. Yeah. You don't really see what's going on. We don't even notice. We're so busy. Some people did. I'd say about 25% of the people wave back. You know, they're like, oh, and then, you know, it's, <laughs> oh, hey. But most people just drove by, didn't even notice. So, I mean, what are we missing? Caught up in our rat race. That's, that's it, man. And, you know, Trey, you have, I love talking to you because you have such a, an open mind, like, and a great mind. Like, you, you're exploring all these avenues, things that I've, I've never heard this approach taken. You know, I've never heard somebody willing to entertain all of it. Well, I think a lot of people want to, in this, specifically the people that are really trying to get out there, and if you look at my social media, you don't see my face on it, right? you know, because it's not about me. Uh, I think a lot of people want to be experts in something, yeah. um, or they want to be filmmakers, or they want to be, um, you know, they want to be the expert in this type of Bigfoot, or they, they have to convince you that they're right about this. I don't think I know anything. I've archived hundreds and hundreds of accounts, tracks, videos, newspaper articles. I've archived it all online. You know, I've been on my own investigations. I've been doing shooting this documentary for two years. I've been researching this most of my life. I don't think I know anything. I don't think I know anything because until I really have a close encounter, and even then, I don't think I know anything. I could see something tomorrow. I could go out in the woods tomorrow and see something. I would still tell you, I know what this one that I just saw looked like. I know what it did. And that's what I know. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know anything. Because I don't know if it walked off a mile and disappeared into a cave or a portal. Yep. I don't know. You know, I don't know until I get a DNA sample and have some sort of team to study it, to, to map all the genetic markers and do it. I have no idea what its lineage is. I don't know. I really, I don't, but that's what's exciting to me is not knowing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I can promise you, anybody that's being authentic about their approach to the subject is going to constantly find more of what they don't know than what they do. But it's a, it's a very interesting subject. And I started, like I said, with this one specifically because they're, I feel like it's the most grounded. Yeah. It's the most. You know, it's it's there. It's it's part of us. Um, you, know, you have the uh, uncanny valley hypothesis. I don't know if you've seen this, but this is the idea that we have this fear ingrained in us of something that looks human, but we know isn't. We can see it and tell it isn't. Right. That's because we lived with a bunch of things at one time or another. That looked like us but weren't but and they were a threat yeah of some kind i mean i've always been a threat but at some point we're a threat to each other as humans yeah. at any time when i go out in the woods i go armed oh, but yeah. i don't go armed for bigfoot i don't go armed for much of anything because i don't want to kill anything right i go armed i go armed in case i run into the wrong person yeah or come at the wrong time in the wrong place I'm much more scared or threatened by other humans 
But at the same time, if we're dealing with things that are potentially close to us, mm-hmm. closer than chimpanzees, it doesn't matter if it's more ape or more human, it's going to be closer to us than anything else. It's a potential threat. Yeah. And, and always has been. So that, uh, that's a theory in psychology and it's something we'll touch on as well, but it's, it basically proves that there was something in history. Yeah, had to be. That, and we know that, we know that, I mean, we know that there were Neanderthals coming in and killing off human populations. Yeah. You know, there are human populations coming in and killing off Neanderthal populations. Yeah. And all, it was probably going across all sorts of populations. What a wild time that would have been. I mean, <laughs> if I could, if I could take a time shift somewhere, I think that's why I want to go check out because, wow, a time where there was, and, but you know, look at Lord of the Rings. Get all these ancient stories, hobbits. Well, we got one in you know Southeast Asia now. Yep, we got the fossils for that. Um, so we know there's been a bunch of giant skeletons found. We don't know what happened to them. Right, yeah, we do. They're, they're with the Ark in the Smithsonian somewhere. That's it. Um, man, it's it's real. It really was real at one time. Yes. Whatever it, we know, Gigantopithecus exists. He was yep. only discovered. Because somebody was looking at dragon teeth, dragon bones, an apothecary in China, and they were identifying, oh no, this is a primate. We have a jaw and some teeth. Which yeah. is most of what we have on most of these ancient relics. Um, but we know they exist now. And if, we, if that's all we have of those, there's probably a lot more. We don't have any, I mean, you know how hard it is for a fossil to even form? Right. It's extremely rare occurrence. It's very rare for a fossil to form. It's the perfect situation for that to occur. So if we have as much evidence as we do of all these different types, then there was likely many times more types. What was going on <laughs> in 20, 30, 100,000 years ago? I mean, wild times, man, wild times. Real, a real planet of the apes. Absolutely. Now, now, what's left of that? That's what we're looking for. We're yeah. looking for the relic hominids. So I think relict is, I use it on my social media, but I think it's actually probably not quite right because a relict is something that's left over from a previous time. And I think this is really, they've likely continued to adapt yeah. and evolve. So it's not really that relict. Right. It's, it's something different. It's something different than even they were dealing with back then. It's something that's adapted to live around us, to deal with civilization as it approaches everywhere. So what is that? You know, what is, what does that become? That's extremely interesting. That's a cryptid. <laughs> that's, that's a cryptid, right? So, that's it. man, we always touch so much. I just want to keep talking forever. I know. All this different stuff. I would sit here, you know, until, you know, next week and keep talking. Um, but, you know, that's what, that's what I'm working on. There'll be more trickling out over time. I'm probably going to throw up a crowdfunding page at some point to see probably yep. Indiegogo because there's not like a set, you know, uh, goal we have to reach. Yeah. Either way, we're doing this. I've been doing it. I'm going to continue to do it. We're ramping it up more and more as I can go. But um, the more, a little bit of crowdfunding I can do, the more I can do for everybody. The more I can show what, what is this? What happens here? What happens if you do that, this, that? More equipment, more people. It's all, it all just, as you scale, anybody that's ever scaled a business knows the more you scale, the more money you need because everything yeah. exponentially uh, advances and you have to, you know, when I get more people, I need more transportation, more food, 
more, uh, you know, when I get more more equipment, I need more people to carry it. Yeah. I mean, we need more solar um, power packs to power it because we're going on horseback, you know, hours and hours into the mountains, whatever the case may be. Yeah, man. It takes know, money. It takes money to do this stuff. It does. I've been there for two years already. So it's, uh, you know, it's something we're going to do. I'll probably do a little first look type video. I don't want to give too much away. Right. Um, some of it was screening. I don't know if anyone was reflecting in my glasses, but I did have some dailies. So if anybody screen capture my glasses, zoom way in, you might get something super bur blurry and pixelated. <laughs> you won't be able to tell what it is. But, um, but while I've been talking, I have had some dailies um, on the screen. Um, but, you know, it's a big... It's a big project, but you know we'll keep however fundraising or anything else goes. We'll keep um, hammering away at it because it's such a. It's a you know, um, when I got into filmmaking, uh, a family member said, "You know, you'll probably never make money at that." Huh. Um, you know, that's very rare. Now, this was before you could just throw stuff on Amazon or iTunes or anything. Right. You know, before technology. Now I throw my drone out the sunroof of my car. You know, back then you had to get in a helicopter with the <laughs> camera and, you know, to get an aerial shot. Now all documentaries are just a lot of voiceover and aerial shots pretty much. <laughs> but, um, uh, but, you know, we'll keep, we'll keep cranking on it and, and get it done. But you know, um, it's a lot of work and it has to be done, you know, when I'm not doing other stuff. But, um, you know, he said, you probably will never make money as a filmmaker. Um, and of course, I've transition mostly into doing my day job with mostly marketing content creation social media digital stuff um and i've made money doing that but um you know i told i looked at them directly and i said I, it's not about making money right it's not about making money right. why do why do i want to live my life to make money i want to live my life to do stuff that interests me that makes me passionate that makes me excited keeps me getting up in the morning and if i can survive and keep doing and support my responsibilities and keep moving forward and whatever my passions are and that's i've already won i don't need to be a rich that is, i am a rich man yeah right? that's what it's all about man that's what it. it's all about i mean uh that's what that's what keeps you healthy that's what keeps you alive in the long run yeah, man. You know? it's just chasing what you're passionate about chasing what keeps you getting up not just being uh you know uh going to a job and just doing it so you can pay your bills you know you gotta you gotta pursue what what makes you happy so um, luckily i've been able to do what i do and i've actually recently uh made a little sort of dba for my main company that's just going to focus on uh cryptid related commercial content for companies so companies that have cryptid brands you know yeah. um and I've got a couple of commercials already going with that. And I'm able to sort of double use my modular Bigfoot costumes and stuff like that for that kind of stuff. So it'll be some fun commercials you'll see coming out yeah. from me soon too. Um, they're just like, you know, because at the end of the day too, some people take this, I take it very seriously, but also if you look at my story on Instagram, my story is a little lighter and more fun. Whereas my grid is mostly just, you know, straight research. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's gotta be fun. I mean, I got into this when I was a kid. Yeah. It's fun. You know, it's fun to think about it. It's, it's, and, you know, I love the Jack Links commercials. You know, yeah. All that, any, anything like that. It's so much fun to just have it as part of pop culture and it's world, you know, it's public domain. Nobody can like copyright Bigfoot. Right. And, you know, and only use it. Or, you know, any of this stuff, really. Loch Ness Monster, Chupacabra, whatever it may be. 
so, so you know, we need to have fun with it. So uh, I'm gonna have some fun commercials coming out through my production company, my main company. Um, but the documentary will be what we've talked about, um, more on a serious tone. And then um, I have some fictional films I'm working on as well that have actually nice. been in development longer than the documentary stuff. The sort of companion, yeah. um, companion stuff. So it's uh, fictional works. Um, actually started a new script recently of a fictional piece about Skunk Ape. To my other stuff, more classic Bigfoot. This is more focused on that, based on some sort of stuff that's occurred in the um, mainstream news and whatnot lately. Um, and uh, so those hopefully will be coming out, you know, sometime after that. I mean, we're going to sequence all this stuff out. I have a website that's going to be um, specifically dedicated to sort of universe I'm creating. Um, but uh, yeah, man, we're. Uh, Got a lot of projects in the mix. We just want to really start with the information. Yeah, information out there. Let's go. And and not just the Bigfoot is was seen in you know Northern California in the 1960s, and ever since then it's been debated whether it's real. You know, we want to get into all the other stuff. There's so much more to sink your teeth into. So much history. I mean, eventually I'd like, like I said, we're going to start with. Uh, There you go. Sorry, we're gonna start with uh, uh, the United States. We're gonna start with the, with the Appalachians. We'll move to other regions um, after the United States, Canada. I've got some um, places in Canada where I've gotten some really great evidence sent to me from that I wanted to check out. But after that, I'd love to go to, you know, this is a worldwide phenomenon. It's not just the United States. There's obviously Woodwolves in Europe. The Yowie in Australia, you know, um, I posted uh, about uh, the Lamona in uh, Costa Rica the other day. This Alba witch almost type creature, like a small, uh, smaller Bigfoot type creature that has these crazy screams and um, runs around on rooftops and all that kind of stuff. But it kind of reminds me of the Alba witch, you know, right. sort of this little, and it makes sense that, you know, you'd see this gnarled face on a female body with, you know, making these crazy screams out in the woods and early people would call that a witch, you know, or the settlers would call that a witch um, or hear the screams, oh, it's that witch out there. So uh, I thought it was interesting that that was had a sort of a, somewhat of a similar um, correlation with something that exists in the United States. Um, and then you have the small, you know, and that goes with, you know, Bergman's theory about uh, smaller creatures Smaller, smaller animals in warmer climates, bigger animals in northern climates. Yep. So, um, man, I love this stuff. <laughs> I just love talking about it. Um, so, you know, anybody out there, specifically in the region that we're starting with um, in this documentary that has something to share, evidence, story, anything like that, hit me up I'm on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram, TikTok, all at Squatch Me Now. Um, and, uh, you know, I would love to talk to anyone, even if you don't want to be on camera, if you don't want to be in a documentary, want to hear your story. Um, if you do, I'd love to talk to you. If you're an investigator, I've got a few uh, in the local area that I'm working with, but there's more, I'm sure. Or even if you're just doing your own quiet personal thing or you're just a hunter or an outdoorsman that went out and 
saw stuff and still goes in that area or whatever it may be. If you're a makeup artist that wants to take a shot at producing a realistic Bigfoot, you know, um, if you have your own interpretation of that and you're a makeup artist or a suit creator or any, you know, mask maker, whatever it may be, uh, we'll give you big shout outs on social media and all that. And, you know, just keep looking out. Um, I'm expecting a first look with the, uh, to release a first look with the crowdfunding, uh, a teaser probably towards the end of the year, full trailer around the first of the year. And if all goes well, my birthday's in February. So I'd like to release the first episode uh, in February if possible. Awesome. Um, if not, maybe a little bit later in the spring, but I'd like to release those first three to four episodes um, that are based on the Blue Ridge that we've been working on uh, and, you know, throughout the spring and be able to start releasing the rest as we go on. But they're like episodes, I'm calling it docu-series, but these are going to be, you know, solid little one-hour documentary films, basically. Uh -huh. that, are, um, that go on and they cover all those subject matter that we've talked about and they'll, they'll be season-long arcs, most likely like the you know, based on where we're looking, where we're investigating, how the uh, makeup effects and recreations are going. So we'll use those suits for trying to recreate videos, but also for reenactments. We've got some great stories that we've gotten um, that we want to sort of reproduce for people just to have a visual of, of those stories. Uh, and we're going to be looking at both historical cases from, you know, prehistory all the way through to modern times. Um, so, uh, and in those first episodes, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and uh, Tennessee, pretty much. Good deal. And then we'll, uh, which is that Cherokee, Sulkalu area. And uh, we'll be moving closer to you, in that West Virginia, Pennsylvania, uh, Ohio, uh, Maryland, Virginia, that whole area. Uh, and then we'll see, you know, North, obviously New York and on up through the mountain chain. Um, and that'll probably be the first season. And then after we're done with that, like I said, maybe Florida, Texas, Arkansas, season two, maybe, maybe we just keep going West and, uh, you know, Kentucky, uh, Alabama, I get Alabama white thing, you know, all yeah. so much, so much going on. I've got had some great stories, some great tracks sent from Alabama, Kentucky, uh, Ohio. So there's just, you know, like I said, Ohio might be its own thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ohio's got so much going on. Salt yeah. Fork, Grassman, Howlers, so much going on there. Yeah. So I'm not gonna because everything's so great now, you can kind of just release stuff as you create it. You know, whether it's on Amazon, iTunes, all these VOD platforms. Um, I'm just going to kind of go with this, see where it takes us. Um, I know where I'm starting because that's where I live. Right. Um, but uh, from there, we're just going to we'll see where it takes us next. And, you know, we're shooting a, a real documentary. You never know what's going to pop up. That's it. And I'm going to keep doing these kind of things, hopefully with you and other people, so that I can reach out and maybe more people reach out to me as we're in production for the foreseeable future um, to sort of help this thing organically evolve. Uh, community as yeah. we move forward so i want to bring in everybody photographers cgi artists makeup artists witnesses investigators 
anybody that wants to be a part of really looking at this from a big, big picture from 30,000 feet and then zooming down into this, zooming down into that and hitting these different points and seeing how we can expand on those and then go back up 30,000 feet and say, okay, how much ground have we covered? How much have we been able to clarify what we're seeing? Because I can tell you, Bigfoot probably isn't blurry. It's probably your shutter speed's not right, set right. <laughs> or, you know, your autofocus is off or you know, you're too far away and, and you've zoomed in too much and it's pixelated instead of blurry. But he might be. <laughs> if his hair is an antenna for some sort of energetic field that he can produce and, and uh, create like sort of a fiber optic, uh, optical camouflage with his hair, then you know, maybe he can go predator. That's not blurry, right? That's, that's pretty mode. much invisible. Yeah. Right. That's reflective or whatever you call it. Um, yeah. When I you told me that, when you, when you mentioned that last time we talked, that changed my whole, it blew my mind. I was like, I've never considered that, you know, just consider it. I mean, if you had a double and just had a vibration, who knows what. Right. I mean, it's all connected to your nerves. You know that every time something scary happens, your hair stands up on end, right? Yep. That's it. So your hair stands up on end because it's connected to your nervous system. Well, your nervous system is connected to your brain. Yeah. So Bigfoot or those type of creatures or some types of them can, can send some signal to tell their body hair a certain thing, yeah. which makes it create some sort of chameleon effect or whatever that may be. Yeah. And then you have long flowing hair moving around and you're creating a predator type effect, right? Right. Which is very interesting. It's a very interesting thing to think about. I love it. Um, I love it. Yeah, man. It's right. well, we're going to do another one of these. Let's, let's yeah. schedule it. Yeah. As, uh, we get closer to the release. Yeah. I'd like to do I'll it again. Yeah, in a couple months. You know, right at the yeah. time. Uh, so much more will have happened by then. So. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And I got some names I'm going to throw to you too. Uh, I'll, I'll send you messages on Instagram like I usually do. Yeah, man. Uh, we'll stay in touch. Yeah, for sure. I got I got some people I want you to holler at. Right. So new websites coming up. Uh, until then, check out squatchmenow.net. Um, Masters of the Hunt series will be up. dot com will be up soon. Um, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube uh, is uh, Squatch Me Now. When I do a when I get to a thousand followers on YouTube, I haven't really been keeping my YouTube up as much as I should. When I get to a thousand followers on there, I'm going to do a live Q and A so people, everybody can ask me whatever they want to know about series or Bigfoot in general. Um, so go find me there. I'm going to do something uh, probably from the same screening room. And uh, man, we're we're going, we're going very fast. Also, look out for uh, crowdfunding on Indiegogo probably within the next month. I'll be announcing all that on social media. So uh -huh. stay tuned. We've got a lot going on and it's going to be big. Awesome. awesome. I'll do whatever I can to help you out. I'll, I'll plug things. I'll share things, whatever you want me to do, man. I, I want well, to see when, when I get to West Virginia, you're going to come be in an episode. For sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Right. Definitely. No We're doubt. going out together. Right. I, I'll take time off work. We'll go. Whatever you want to do. Let's do it, man. All right. Awesome. Sounds awesome. good, man. I look forward to talking to you again soon and we'll be in touch on social all right. Thanks, Troy. Have a good night, man. Yeah, you too. Good night. All right. That's it for this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. 
If you just have to have more content, you can go to patreon.com slash the bump podcast and subscribe and be a patron. Uh, got more and more content on there every week. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, to catch up on past episodes, go to thebumppodcast.com, click the episode tab, and it'll take you to any episode you want to listen to. Also, if you want to be on the show, I would love to have you on, share your story with us, go to thebumppodcast.com, click the holler at me button, and holler at me. Send me an email, thebumppodcast at gmail.com, and uh, I'll get you on as fast as we can. All right, again, thanks for listening. I love you guys. Until next time, don't stop believing.